ladies and gentlemen, who, let's get ready to podcast! What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the 1% Academy Podcast, where we are striving to get 1% better today. Brought to you by 1% Athletics and 300 Bats. Today, I'm joined again by my co-host down here in Florida, Mr. Pete Jorgen and Justin Cortezis. How you boys doing? Doing well, doing well. Just dandy. <laughs> I don't know how dandy. I don't know how dandy you're doing right now. I'm as dandy as they get. Give, give the people an update on what's going on with you. So I'm still five eleven, <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome. We know. <laughs> oh. I mean, what else you gonna make of him? That's all I got for him. I just can't. I can't help him. You're not gonna throw the news out. You got what? I'm not. Uh, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Great start. Great start. Oh, God. Great start. oh my gosh. Anyways, today, guys, on the show, we are joined by a fellow Pecos League uh, professional baseball player, Jake Binder. Jake is from Syracuse, New York. Correct? Yeah, snowing ice, pretty and much. Another, <laughs> another Northeast guy. The king of the north. <laughs> <laughs> he is from uh, Fairfield, or he went to, no, he's not from, he went to Fairfield University, and then uh, he finished up at Ithaca College. Which is a Division three in the Liberty League, is that correct? Uh, the Liberty League, yep. Just and, moved there last year. And uh, he played with the Alpine Cowboys this year where he went on to win a championship and finished up with the Salina Stockade in the Pacific Association. Jake, how you doing? I'm great. It's good to have Thanks, you on the yeah. show. Thanks, I appreciate Even it. Even though it took an hour for us to yeah, get started. I know. But, hey. It took a few days to organize this event, but I'm, I'm happy to be here now just trying to get 1% better. All right, so we getting started, here. man. Being from New York, mm. tell us how a New York boy, um, as a young kid, gets started playing baseball and kind of where that love for the game began. Wow. Because wow. obviously, you know, the weather being up there, right. I can only imagine. I know, the weather's us. terrible, but I just get used to it, you know, because I've been there my entire life. But <laughs> uh, in terms of how it started, I, sw- I kid you not, I started late. Like, did you guys all play t-ball? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like just started, like, you can walk, you pick up a baseball bat. Yeah, I started baseball late based on... Uh, I think it was like MVP Baseball 05. I'm not yes, even kidding. Yes, one with Manry yeah. on the cover? Yeah, Manry on the cover. Oh, the that, GameCube game? Yeah. That game so, like, was that was like my inspiration kids. to like <laughs> even get started. It's crazy as it sounds to get started, and it just took off from there. But, like, in terms of the weather, like you were saying, I just, I just work out inside. I mean, my junior year of college, we didn't have a home game above 40 degrees. So, God. yeah. It's just like, because you're from Jeez. Houston, so you probably can't even relate to this, but. You just work. You roll with the punches and work. To make the best of it. Yeah, so, yeah. See, it's just the way it is. Yeah. See, for us in Houston, we start our season would start like in February. We have tryouts into January. We'd start yeah. a tournament. The plows in are February. still on the road yeah. in February. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going in February. You know. I mean, it's like you know, it's either snow degrees. or rain. And, right. So, the previous episode we had Skyler Mercado on the show. He was from the Bronx. How Great far guy. Is, how far is that's the Bronx far. from? That's uh, that's in the city. That's about four hours. Four hours uh, southeast of where I live. Okay. But, yeah. So did you grow up a Yankee fan or a Yankees, Met fan? Yankees. Yankee yeah, fan? I've been a Yankees my entire life. Wow. For sure. Wow. Well, this is going to be a short-lived podcast. Great. Well, it's done real, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, Thanks for coming on today. We'll, we'll ask his uh, opinion later on. Jake Bider, everybody. Oh, we going to do another one of those? We could. We we'll, could. We'll touch on it. 27 rings, I tell you. We'll, we'll touch on it. Um, so now, once you got into high school... Well, see, were you pitching as a little kid when, once you yeah. started playing baseball? Were you when playing I started, field? I mean, I'm trying to think. I was always a 
athletic. I was always been tall and lanky, kind of like I am now. But I like played. I remember growing up, played the corners and just pitch. Pitching was my passion. You just have I liked co- it more than any part of baseball. Yeah. You just have coordination yeah. now, right? Right. Okay. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so one, once you got into high school, did you play multiple sports, or were you? Did you? Go yeah, I played. Sport? I played basketball in high school. Uh, were you, were you taller than athlete. everybody else? Not well. I mean, means you hit the like growth part. Uh, I was tall pretty much all throughout high school. I want to say I stopped like high school. See, but I always been like six three. But and yeah. basketball was like a score. I was always been an all around athlete. But it was for me, it's basketball, baseball, and then as a hobby, golf. But I suck Ooh. at it. Oh yeah. But it's you not know, a big golf guy. Not no. a big golf guy over here. Oh, yeah. I love golf. <laughs> Small me, and you, golf guy. me and you both. Really Small works now, the patience level. Now let me add on here. So. Being from Syracuse and you playing basketball, mm-hmm. did you ever go to any of the universities basketball yeah, games? all the time. That, the dome is like, I did not. I'm trying to no. It's like oh three. I was like six when Mel was there. <laughs> five years old when Mel was in college. So no, I don't remember seeing him. But I've seen a bunch. I've seen Brandon. Brandon Trish was there. Went to my high school. Uh, Daywan Coleman's another player. Uh, both of them, I believe, are playing overseas right now professionally. But my high school is more known for lacrosse and basketball over anything. Uh, I know basketball won like five state titles in a row. Like, that's pretty that's insane. Uh, lacrosse would compete for states every year. And then baseball, for my school, we were good, but it was never the primary sport. And I think that's just because of the region we grew up in. Yeah. The Northeast is known for exactly. lacrosse and basketball, honestly. I mean, baseball is all, you know, Florida, yeah, Florida Texas, Texas, California, California yep. just because you can play all year round. Yep. That's well, why all these Northeast colleges are coming down here right now. Right, play. right. That's all. Yeah, I did the same thing. Our team went to California every spring break and Ithaca College for a full week of games because snow on the ground in you know early March. See, I I played basketball in high school and it's kind of transitioned to my next question. But mm-hmm. he wasn't I played, very good, dude. No, I was a piece of basketball because I the height I am now is the height I was in in high school. Well, I, that, I hit my growth Yeah. To yeah. be five nine, five ten as a fre- I had a full grown mustache. I was a freshman, just bigger than everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I could just dominate people, and I would play center. You dominate people. We got a five ten center going in, going on here. But you know, Jeez. it was one of those things that once I stopped growing, it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a five ten full mustache guy anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my basketball career is not going to be very long lived. So yeah. um, I stopped playing basketball my sophomore year. But if I was like 6'6", six, six, I would still be playing basketball. I love basketball. But so did I. I love for it. me, I like basketball. I saw so much of how playing basketball transitioned into baseball. Just all the cutting and jumping and stuff. Like it yeah. made me such a better athlete. Right. So did you have that same experience playing uh, absolutely. multiple sports? I mean, you need to be an athlete to be on the mound for sure. The elasticity yeah. of pitching, you know, hip and shoulder separation, all the stuff and terminology that people have heard of before. But, like, lateral movement obviously is more for you in your instance being an infielder. But basketball definitely helps the athleticism. Exactly. Just playing conditioning exactly. too. And that's what I try telling kids. Like, yo, if you can play multiple, multiple sports. Multiple sports. I encourage it. that to 100%. And that's what Patrick Absolutely. Mahomes was talking about, how he yeah. played baseball, basketball, yeah. football, track. Exactly. He did everything. And He's playing street ball on the field. Yeah. 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 Because he can. He's a sick athlete. Yeah. You know? And that's, I think that's one of the biggest things for development as kids that people overlook because everything is so like cookie cutter you gotta do this this and this and it's like if you just go play Mm. like you're naturally your body's naturally gonna develop and adapt yeah Um, so it's good to have another guy on the podcast that can say that because I think so far everyone's come on and said I played multiple sports I was a stud blah 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 
So you started off at Fairfield University. I did, right? yeah. So when you were a senior, did you have your mindset on going to a four-year school, or were you looking at yeah. JUCOs, or what was I your mean, mindset? I mean, I didn't know exactly where I stood talent-wise uh, compared to some other local guys. Uh, I played for a travel team called Syracuse Sports Zone. I mean, you guys probably never heard of it because you guys are from different parts uh, of the country. But yep. it was the place, like, if you're in North, if we're, uh, like a central New York, even guys from the city would come and play for us. If you're, like, the best of the best, like, it's been a guy named Dickie Woodridge would run it. Uh, he used to play for the Padres, uh, would take his teams. You know, we go to Long Island. Uh, our southern trip, we'd go to Florida and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Like, play some of the best competition to get, you know, the most amount of eyes on you. So after having success in that, and I didn't know, like, am I a D3 guy, D1 guy? Like, I was, like, yeah, yeah. probably a mid-80s guy. I'm long and lean, like, probably 6'3". Yeah, I was, like, 6'3". Like, probably, I didn't weigh much, maybe 180, 175. But, like, I was thin, and I think the projectability for me was good. So once I got my first D1 offer, which was actually the school I ended up going to, Fairfield. Yeah, that was my first one. Uh, I'm like, okay, I I'm, I'm really didn't really look at anything else. No yeah. D3s or D2s. I ended up with five uh, once everything was said and done. They came down to St. Bonaventure in Fairfield. And I committed, I want to say it was summer, late summer before my senior year of high school started. And then senioritis kicks in and then you just <laughs> like, you don't care about school because you know what your future is already. <coughs> so as long as you don't fuck out. You got a direction. So. Is, uh, is Fairfield in Massachusetts? Connecticut. Southern Connecticut. Connecticut. It's like right on the beach. It's like 10 minutes from the beach. Sweet. Yeah, it's that's nice. Sweet. If you're so, a senior, you live, you actually, like, every team's house is right on the water. That's wow. awesome. So the campus and the Can't life was that's nice. Pretty sick. Yeah. That's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. So when you were obviously getting recruited by those schools, what was that recruiting process like for you? Were you doing anything yourself, or was it more just kind of word of mouth, people coming to see you, or were you – like for me, right. I was a big, like, I'm sending emails kind of guy. And I okay. know now the way things have changed with social media, it's like if you have you have access to these coaches at your mm-hmm. fingertips, like yeah. post your videos everywhere. Videos, yeah. Post, be on social media, like connect with these guys, send emails, send text messages, give them mm-hmm. calls, whatever. And, like, so many kids are like, well, how do I get recruited? How do I get – like, Take the initiative. Right. Network. Yeah. Do it yourself. Exactly. Like, so I'm always interested to hear how guys got recruited right. for that reason. With social media today, it's it's just growing and growing. Yeah. Like, that's just going to be, if you want to find somebody, you can freaking Google them and bang, you'll find a video of a certain athlete if he's looking to get a scholarship somewhere. Exactly. For me, it was the travel baseball was game situations and some scouts would be there because a lot of these fields were complexes, would be like four or five fields. Yeah. Kind of like the one in San Luis Aurora today. Yeah. You got all these games going on and different teams and pitchers, uh, high school guys all looking to play college ball. Those were probably second, but the best thing for me was actually showcases. Uh, like the, the, best the camps or whatever? Camps. Perfect game. Had a showcase in Connecticut. I forget the date, but I was. it was like right after my high school season ended before the summer started. Uh, perfect game. Had a showcase in Connecticut, and it was crazy. It was really well run. There was like 30 or 40 college scouts there, D1 to D3, some you know JUCO whatnot. And you no know, pitchers pitch like day one get your bullpen in next day live situation, and each coach was evaluating like had a set group of pitchers that they would target uh, individually and say hey there's here's what went well here's you know what didn't went well yeah and then at the same time certain coaches would talk to players in terms of recruitment and that's actually where I met Fairfield to mm-hmm. start and a few other schools yeah so those are great because all eyes are on you yeah see so I did something similar when I was in high school there was a guy named Logan Harrington who now he runs something called um, 
the complete show, showcase, TCS. It's up in Dallas, and it's like a post-grad opportunity where basically guys that don't get a school to play for, they go play for him. It's kind of like the Black Sox almost. They go okay. play for him, and they'll play colleges during their season, but it doesn't count against their eligibility. Yep. I, remember, so, I remember seeing that. It is yeah, like a Black Sox. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard of it. Like that, so he's, Black Sox, but on a college Yeah, like, college, college level, level. Yeah. But So he started that originally by doing camps. It's kind of like perfect yeah. game, but he right. showcase camps, and he'd have like 30 or 40 guys there, and they were mostly all small schools, you know, like small D1s, D2s, mm-hmm. D3s, junior colleges and stuff. But I built a good relationship with him, and I would go to all those camps. And that's kind of, like, where a lot of my exposure came from. But, you know, like, I hear now, like, a lot of guys say, like, don't go to showcase, it's a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it's a double-edged sword. It's good because you can go get in front of people and network with them. But you have to also be able to understand your ability. You have to gauge your talent. Yeah, you have to if be you honest go out there so. and you're a righty throwing 70, yeah. and you look up and all these other righties are, you know, 85, 88, 90, and you're like, oh, I'm a D1 talent. You're, like, you're going to go out there yeah. and embarrass yourself. Like, they're not looking for that. Like, refine your skills before you go to those showcases. Right. But if you're a guy that's developed and you can, you know, mid-80s, upper 8s, mm-hmm. whatever, and you, can, you have that ability – I think showcases are great. I think, like, I, think so I think that's one of the best ways to network. But it's mm-hmm. one of those things like you have to. You gotta be honest with yourself. Yeah, if you're gonna spend the money, you need to be honest with yourself yeah. and your abilities. If that's uh-huh. right, or yeah. if you need to continue developing first. Yep. That's like I said. I didn't know where I was at. Like with yeah. a certain team. Like I was a starter on this travel team, whatnot. But talent, like in the Northeast or whatnot, like I didn't know who I would compare to from guys from like Jersey, Massachusetts, and whatnot. Until I got to these tournaments and started having success, and then I started getting D1 offers. I'm like, well, maybe I actually do belong here. And that's what drove me to my decision eventually in the end. So how long were you at Fairfield? Was there a year, and unfortunately, like, the baseball was great with one conference. Uh, the social life, uh, like, meeting new people was great, but the social life on the, t- the team wasn't really knit together uh, the way I wanted it to be. Uh, I had some runs with teammates. It got ugly at times. I can't see that. Nah, I'm it's not a guy like, like that. You're my, yeah. very Literally, mild manner. I'm like not that. at all. I'm not confrontational at all. When did you end up transferring to Ithaca? Uh, just after my freshman year, so you uh, we won conference, drew Texas Tech in regional, got our shit pushed in, season ends. I think I remember that. That's where I've heard of Fairfield before. Yeah. I remember that. We, we were playing, they were like fifth in the country. Uh, it was like us, no, Tech was the one, one seed fifth in the country, Dallas Baptist was the two, New Mexico State was the three, and they were also ranked, and then we were the four. We got waxed the first game, and then I think we played Baptist and lost. We were that was probably what, was like 2016? That was 16. I was yeah, about to say 16. That. That's when yeah. Baptist kind of hit the yeah. scene yeah. for college baseball. That was 16. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, we were 2-0. That, that's the, I think that's the first year Texas Tech went to the College World Series. Yes, they did. Like, not World ever, season. but like within, you know, yeah. quite They a while. did that year. Because yeah. I had a few buddies that played on the team. That's, right. That's, that team yeah. was stacked. They were disgusting. Was, like, I think we faced the freshman who was like low mid-90s and just blew us away. Like the stadium's packed, we're in a hostile environment. We're from the <laughs> northeast, coming down Texas, it's 118 outside. Like, yeah, we clearly, <laughs> clearly better than us, but it was a fine experience. The team was good, but in terms of well, even just getting to play in a regional, like that's pretty yeah, sick. that was really that's cool. Sick. Yeah, I got my this is fun. this is fun. I'll never forget this. My first collegiate inning of my life was at North Carolina. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, oh. Yeah. And how'd it go? <laughs> one good inning, one bad inning, but I'm not gonna lie, as a whatever 18 year old freshman, I was shit in my pants. I can't even. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's overwhelming. They're like, there's, there's like stadiums down there. SEC, yeah. ACC. God damn, those places are nice. I remember. So my first year, I was at Prairie View. Once I transferred yeah. from junior college to, to PV, 
and we're playing Texas A&M, yeah. and it's oh, they're nasty. They're, they're this is when they went on that 27 and 0 winning streak in 2015. They're ranked number one in the country. We're playing on St. St. Patrick's Day. We ended up being win number 19, and it's a Wednesday night, and the place is sold out from left lawn to yeah. right lawn, yeah. and. It was like that. Sounds like the regional game. It was insane. Like, and these A and M fans, because like their student sections on the wayside, like right there, right above you, uh-huh. playing first Just base. Just giving it to you. Man. And so, yeah, they were. So I, I, the conference series before this is like a Tuesday night, I think. Mm-hmm. And so our conference weekend before, I got hit on the elbow by like ninety, like sh- just square on. Yeah. And I wasn't wearing an Evo shield, so I was wearing a sleeve on my left arm. And these Texas A and M fans were like, "Yo, number 15. Your arm, your arm sleeves on the wrong arm. Blah blah blah. And then they found my name. They found my Instagram. Yeah, they'll do they started, that. Like calling all they'll this stuff that. out. Th- yeah. Like it was a, it was the most awesome experience. Ever. Yeah, like, it was insane. I'm sure you're thinking I'm, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, in the moment, in the moment, you were me. In the moment, it was awesome though. Like, right. Because we were winning too up to like the fifth inning. It was like three two. And then they had bases loaded. And then you switch your arm sleeves. Guy hits. Right <laughs> <laughs> and then shit is all down from there. It was all the arm sleeves fought. But speaking the, of the arm sleeves, if you have not yet, One Percent Athletics <laughs> just dropped their uh, new compression arm sleeves. Be if sure to go check them out. Justin Cortez is modeling his. If right you here. can see it through the microphone right now, we have <laughs> right, we have right arm right. sleeves and left arm sleeves for everyone wondering. <laughs> we have we have black, white, red. And uh, Royal Blue, be sure to go check them out at 1%athletics.com. I'll put a link in the description box below. Ooh. Uh, but anyways, back to my AM story. We're mm. winning like 3-2. Bases are loaded. Guy hits a double in the gap to that bust it open. And the place up. goes nuts. And I was like, this is like the coolest atmosphere I've ever played. It's That's still, cool. to this day, like yeah. the single best atmosphere I've ever played. The top incredible. two for me, I didn't play in Texas, but uh, there and then my sophomore year, and at, this is at Ithaca, a regional against Oswego State, who was like the number one seed. They were ranked higher than us. I think they were like fifth in the country. Uh, it was a sold-out crowd, kind of similar to Texas. It's just loud, man. Yeah. Any base hit, the place explodes. Awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Especially so when you're in that stadium atmosphere and it just Course. vibrates off everything. Yeah, for sure. That's so sick. That's so sick. So you go, let's kind of take a step back here for a sec. How was your transition from high school to college once you did go, get to Fairfield, and then eventually to Ithaca? Like, how was that for you? Being on your own and yeah. kind of having your own responsibility. I mean, everybody's like homesick for college. I feel like it doesn't matter how far you are from home because you live in a box. You know, you have a roommate that you really don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's in the same boat. Like my two guys here, I, mean, I don't know these guys. Yeah, so yeah. I'm a miserable month. <laughs> <laughs> what are you Who's this guy? Who's that? Yeah. It's this guy's deal. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he keep on the podcast? Now? Why does he keep inviting people over? Put your arm sleeve on. Hang on. Hang on. Have you been paid yet? Uh, Still waiting on my commission check. He said he sent it in the mail. <laughs> oh, we can't get the mail because the <laughs> mailbox is broke. I said so. Why? He said he sent it in the mail. I was like, hey, what a guy. I appreciate you guys. You are one percent athletics athletes. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I lost where I was. Uh, uh, the, the transition in college. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same for everybody. Like I just said, getting acclimated to live in. You know, with somebody you don't know, you live in a small dorm, you're trying to meet people, it's a new environment. About how long did it take know. for you to really, like, get settled in? The- a couple It was quick, a couple months. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps when you have teammates. I mean, yeah. right off the rip, it was, you know, fine. You had a place to go, you had stuff to do on weekends, mm-hmm. you know, social life was fine. 
it was more rough for me towards baseball season. Uh, but the transition from there to Ithaca was easy. I had uh, two people that I played, actually went to a rival high school of mine, uh, Sam and Webb Little, uh, first introduced me to the school, and I had a lot of interest in going there because their pitching coach who was there, he just retired last year after 41 seasons. Oh, wow. His name's George Valsen. He's an absolute legend. He's one of the best pitching coaches I've ever met in my life. He's the one who tried to recruit me out of high school because I already committed to Fairfield, so that didn't really work out. But he was kind of like, in the back of my mind, when I made the decision to transfer, it was either Ithaca College or LeMoyne, which is a D2 in central New York. Uh, Josiah Gray uh, just got drafted out of there. He's currently with the Dodgers. Uh, that's, he's actually an interesting story. But... Uh, I reached out to them. Uh, Are these the about same levels I played yeah. on Alpine? Yeah, yeah, it's the same levels I played on Alpine, yeah. So I uh, talked to them, uh, go through commissions or whatnot. I think it was my first choice. So going throughout the whole application process, it uh, feels like the best school for me. I was there. I was sold immediately by the, the head coach and uh, went to the communication school, graduated on time, and by the time senior year rolled around, I lived in a house with nine other teammates. <laughs> so it was like a... It's like it a sounds like a frat fraternity yeah. house, kind of, but Sigma baseball. was yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's getting you prepped up for the Pecos so like, league. Yeah, yeah. 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 for real, right? Let's not even talk about Cal City, where your living situation. Listen, I lived in a kitchen for two weeks. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this man cook? Welcome to independent baseball. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Here we are now. People it's got its no, ups, no it's no got food. its downs, it's got its cots in the kitchens. It's not bad though. So and, before, a, and an air mattress. And an air, and an air mattress. Before we uh, transition into the independent baseball grind, what yeah. what do you think was your best college moment looking back? Like, what was like? Wow. Because you know, yeah. Looking when I was looking at your player page at Ithaca, you had a lot of personal accolades, accolades that you yeah. accumulated. You know, first team All Conference, uh, a Gold Glove, Empire gold glove Eight. Was, in terms of individual stuff, the Gold Glove was sick. I can't even lie. That was really Did you cool. get the actual glove award? Yeah. yeah. I have a picture that's, of it on my phone. Sick. Yeah, that's sweet. really, really cool. I think because they only give them out to uh, like D1, D2, D3, and then NAIA. There's one per position. So yeah. it's Jeez. math. 36 guys in the country, any level, any college athlete, there's only 36 that get them. So it's pretty cool. But I will say that I deserve it because I took more line drives to the body that season <laughs> than my entire career combined. <laughs> And my coach was like, well, stop leaving the ball down the middle. I'm like, well, shit, I'm, I'm not trying to <laughs> rip him right back at me. But Yeah, come so, on, like, pitching, it's easy. Right. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, so, that led yeah, a lot you of... have a healthy shoulder. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you got all your tendons and stuff. So, what are you doing? <laughs> that led to a lot of, I guess, PFPs. I had like a bunch of putouts or assists or whatnot, so... <laughs> that's what came out. That's what I guess in the end. I like show. I didn't even know it was a thing until I like got an alert on Twitter that like I got a gold glove and this is what it looks like. I'm like, oh wow, it's pretty that's dope. Pretty, that's, pretty, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty sick. That's I sick. Know. Yeah, they one like, of those things you'll look back in twenty years. Yeah. And be like that's oh, a pretty dope. awesome yeah. trophy. Like, that's cool. That's cool. So what about like on just like a team or like standpoint? Like what would what was your best college moment? Gotta think. We were really successful. We won conference every year. When my three years at Ithaca, we had a really good team. Unfortunately, not. We got a banner and T-shirts. Well, D three life, yeah, yeah. D three like the Pecos. Yeah, a handshake and a T-shirt. Yeah, pretty much. And the Pecos, where you win the championship, Dunn gives you the trophy, and then he takes it back. Yeah, take your picture, and then all right, give it back. I'm gonna have 
Yeah. It's like one of those uh, vacation shirts that you see in the stores. It was like, I went on vacation and all I got was this t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won conference yeah. and all we got was this t-shirt. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, like, I got three dope t-shirts, but <laughs> if we got rings, I'd be like Tom Brady right now, man. It'd be dope. <laughs> <laughs> I should have drank no one else. So, anyways, yeah, we got t-shirts, but there's moments. I don't know, man. We would play uh, every year. We'd play St. John Fisher, who was a very successful school in terms of like uh, talent. They were ranked pretty high senior year. We were ranked most of the year. We ended up senior year. We ended up thirty-one and nine. So we had we had a really good team. Thirteen seniors. Like we were really primed to do something special. Uh, so probably I'd say the most special moment because with 13 seniors you know you're the heart and soul of the team <coughs> 10 of us live in one house so we're all best friends we do everything together so once we clinched hosting a regional that was probably the coolest moment as a team but you had a wild party yeah. that night yeah we did after conference we found out hosting a regional and unfortunately it didn't end the way we wanted to it was double it was ran the format that year they just transitioned to it it used to be 18 regional which is more complex for like D3 but then it transitioned like a D1 format, four teams, one host. We were the one seed, had a great season, and went two and out. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I was just about to say, I remember when I was there, although we never made, you know, the tournament or whatever, <laughs> but it was always like the regionals, it was like 18 regionals or whatever. And then I remember checking one of the following years afterwards, they ended up switching to, like you said, the D1. They ended up having like a regional mm-hmm. and almost like a super regional. Regional, type, right? uh, yeah, it was regional, super, and then the World Series was eight teams in Appleton, Wisconsin was the location. So did y'all, did y'all ever play Millsaps? Yeah, Heard of Millsaps, but we never played them. I had a buddy that went there. Yeah. And they, uh, they went to the World Series one year. Oh, I've heard of them, yeah. They, were, they had some sweet uniforms. They were purple yeah. and purple and black maybe but like okay. their uniforms were like that steel gray right like graphite purple, almost yeah graphite yeah. and like purple outlining yeah. they were sick That's the didn't game. matter how they played just how they looked you <laughs> look good look good feel good play good you wear a 1% arm sleeve and you get 1% pretty much better. just make sure it's on the right arm yeah or left <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pete so, coming in hot so uh Transitioning now into pro ball, you finished yeah. up this year. Well, you finished with the Salina Stockade, but you played with mm-hmm. the Alpine Cowboys. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and start yes. off on the high note. Get the, get the high <laughs> note knocked out. Of here. Yeah, just get 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 the yeah. I mean, get I this out I don't so we don't have to it, talk about it. To bring it up. You know, the very first year of professional baseball, you win a championship. Let's hear about it. Well, uh, <laughs> my first introduction to the Pecos League. Once I found out like the the way indie ball worked. It kind of tests how much you actually love baseball. Yeah, can you stand much, much you <laughs> getting paid? It does. Can you stand getting paid little and oh, tr- being on the? Yeah, you guys being, all know. Being well, on the being on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, horrible yeah. living conditions. Right, like, and it's hundred eighteen degrees on every day. Every day. It's not just like Pecos or no, whatever. Like uh-uh. it's all it's over. Baseball. Yeah, but you're still playing. You're doing what you love. So, now, but in terms of winning the championship, it was an amazing feeling. I mean. Grinding, traveling all over the country, playing these games, uh, being lucky enough to host, and then going two two and zero against. Sorry to bring this up, sorry Pete's God. team. Sorry, bud. And then playing Bakersfield in the championship and beating them. It's just hard work pays Which off. We won on a walk off, right? We did. Yeah, we were actually we were down two zero, came to the bottom of the ninth. I think we started off. I know there's no outs when the home run was hit. Uh, we had a walk. I believe Paul and walk, and then shout out Sam Little hit a like. 
400-foot missile down the right foot right field line that we didn't know was going to be fair or not. Uh, Derek Palaki, who was doing the commentary, was hilarious when it finally <laughs> went on. Whole place explodes, tie game. Uh, other series of events happen where we get, I want to say still first and second, no outs, bunt a guy over, and then it gets in a situation where Rodney Tenney's up. <coughs> and I believe the winning run was on second, I remember. Count Hathaway was on second. He hits a ball into the 5-6 hole. Shortstop goes backhanded and tries to get Kellen out at third base because he's breaking. Throws the ball away. Run comes in. And we win the whole thing and had a very fun night, to say the <laughs> I can only imagine, though. Like, that's yeah. that, that's insane. With any sport, you play, what do we play? 60-some-odd games and travel and yeah. just together. Like, and to end it on that. And to end it on that, that it's not all to yeah. culminate. It's, like all, it's all worth it. Because that's what you're playing for. Exactly. Like, no. I've never won a championship. We got rings for those. We didn't oh, get teased. <laughs> we got rings for that. You just got is, you just we got literally your just did. Mine's in my mailbox in New York. I can't wait to see that thing. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Sorry, Pete. It's all. Hey, I got my. I got my. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear it because he knocked us out of playoffs. Oh yeah, I was. I was first, and he was second. You were third. I was telling him uh, the story. Yeah, you're right. I was telling him on the car ride home today about you know. My first year of pro ball, the playoffs against you guys in Cal City. We blew a freaking nine nothing lead in the eighth inning. And then going yeah. in the and then this past year in Garden City, I was like it was basically the same Seven one yeah, lead in seven the one six. lead, yeah, he was telling me. And we blew that. <sighs> Don't worry, because then we went to Alpine and we sleeves. just right down our legs. So yeah. But now how how uh, was the atmosphere? <laughs> In Alpine when yes. during the championship because oh my god go ahead and finish but I, I want to tack onto that because uh. yeah because I mean when I played there the year before for the championship I mean it was unlike anything I've ever yeah. seen and Coconut is that's one something of my I should have mentioned earlier yeah played, that's like. something I should have mentioned earlier you talk about favorite places to play mm-hmm. when you were in A and M was Texas Tech during the region my freshman year my sophomore year when we played Oswego State at Onondaga Community College actually in Syracuse our region just happens to be right by my hometown. And then this is actually probably like one of the most powerful moments I've ever felt in my baseball career, because there's I don't know I don't put a number maybe a thousand twelve hundred people. Mm-hmm. It seemed like ten thousand. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the way yeah, it's like, the way congested. the stadium is. Everyone's and I know like I got the me. ball, and you know Did your heart's racing. I pitched game one. Oh, yeah. yeah, we won eight to three. I, I won seven innings that game, but just hearts racing. You know, you get on the mound, you kind of forget what you're doing because you're so jacked up. Once you get the first guy out, you're like, okay, I've done this before. I've got this. This yeah. is baseball. Yeah. Like, he, but He would have gone all nine if he had a 1% arm sleeve. Right? I he know. Would have, he would have. 1% arm sleeve, you know, 1% yeah. shirt to train in, you know. He would have been... He would have been one percent. One percent better to you know last yeah. two innings, finish yeah. the game. CG. So. But yeah, Coconut is one of my favorite. Yeah, no, I love the field. Just love the the, field. the the his, history, history behind yes. it, yes. and just how. Because for those that don't know, Alpine is really, I mean, it's big, like, area-wise, but it's, like, it's got that small-town feel to it. It is. It is. And, but feel. the community there, everyone basically shows up to the game Everybody and supports is, you guys. Yeah. That's, like, like a hometown team because there's, I mean, there's nothing, around. nothing yeah. else around. No yeah. professional, like, you know, middle, other type of sport. They're, like, football, Texas. but a lot of football is high school. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I can't really name much just, besides the Alpine Cowboys. Texas, yeah. Texas high school football yeah. is oh, insane. Yeah, yeah. That's like my first year in the Pecos when Tucson was splitting between Keno and a field down in uh, 
I can't remember where it was at. It was oh, about 30 minutes outside yeah. of Keno, but yep. it was an old mining town. That's right. Uh, and the, shoot, the stadium they played at, like Warren Spawn had played there, Babe Ruth had played wow. there, like mm-hmm. Ty Cobb, like all of uh, Connie Mack was there, like yep. all these historic people because like they would come down and play these mining teams from the towns around. Uh-huh. And they played at the stadium and like you, everything was original, like the, the backstop or like the locker room and all that. And you could just tell... Like, it was just like the yeah. feeling of like walking through awesome. there and like oh, yeah, Babe Ruth sure. played here. Like, it yeah. was just like, it was it's insane. It was like for much of a struggle that Pecos is, like that was one of the things I was like, this is such a cool moment. Right. This is like, this feels a hundred yep. years old. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. It's so and cool. On top of that, Keno is now hosting the, uh, the qualifier for the World Baseball yep. Classic this year. Yep. They're coming up this month, later this month, something like yeah. that. So, Which, you know, we played Keno, played a Keno. If you've seen the Randy Johnson bird video, that's yeah, where, of course. That's yeah. where we would we would play at when we played wow. Tucson. We played our a lot of history, we played our July Fourth game, <coughs> yeah. and it was sold out, like yeah. sold out for a Pecos for a game. Pecos and it was freaking fun. like forty people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Cal City. Time, times that by like uh, ten thousand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. But um, so now we talked about you stealing a championship from me and Pete. Nice. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I know I know what I was going to ask. Go for Sorry it. about that. Um, so, for th- us that have played in the Pecos League, we all know that Alpine is basically like the New York Yankees of that league with how well-known it is and, obviously, the way you guys are treated. Um, how was it going from Alpine and then, after your season there, going to the Pacific but playing for the travel team in that league? Right, that's a good question. We were treated well in Alpine. Uh <clears throat> Based on you know living the circumstances we were under, we got paid on time. We uh, traveled in vans, which I know most teams, if any, like mm-hmm. had that luxury of doing that. Well, like teams have the option, but I think okay. they prefer. Like we could have gotten a van if we wanted to, but we were like okay. we just try to drive. drive. Yeah. Unless it was like a long trip. Yeah, because yeah, right. we were in the same boat yeah. when we made our trip out to California this year. There, like when like, we when we came to Alpine, we took the vans. Like Dunn right. brought Dunn brought them up there, and we took them. Okay. Like, Going to Trinidad or Roswell. That's close. Just, close yeah. Was it the van with yeah. the Roswell sticker on it that was in Houston? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, jeez. I do not remember. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. No, nah, you're good. So when I, I – me and a, a teammate of mine, Jake Woods, who was a relief pitcher in Alpine, we both got called to Salina. So I had my car, went up together, whatever it was, up the coast. And being the travel team there wasn't as bad as you'd think because – in the Pacific Association, all the teams are in such a close radius. Yeah, like it's not really a travel that. team. The only travel team aspect of it is you have no home games. Yeah. And not, I guess, your own home stadium. But in terms of, like, traveling far to play, it really wasn't the yeah. case. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the farthest drive might have been an hour. Yeah. You just drive yourself, drive your teammates, and, you know, you're just the road team every game. Where did y'all live? Y'all uh, live family, y'all live I family? had uh, a March trailer. had a friend... Uh, Mark Trailer was our left fielder in Alpine. He had a buddy of his in Northern California who kind of hooked us up with a host family. That's pretty sweet. And that, that kind of worked out that's for us. Yeah, that's awesome. So we paid him to stay there. Me and uh, Jake was there. We were there about two weeks. And then he's from Cortland, New York. So we're like, all right, dude, road trip. Here we go. 40, <laughs> 40 hours. Oh, strap in. Buckle up, buttercup. Here we go. <laughs> God. We did it in like five days, you know, maybe was, a little vacation. That? Awesome. I've done it twice now. <laughs> oh, you're nuts. No, it's awesome. That's great. I love it. You take Unless you're in a rush, if you want to get home in three days, yeah, that's that's brutal. <clears throat> but when I went, I did it myself going, I played a summer league in uh, L.A., finished that, and it took me a week to do it myself. 
And then the very next year, unknowingly, I'd be in pro ball in Northern California. Me and uh, Jake Woods did it in five days, just trading on it off and on. And just, just like making stops. And making stuff stops. Uh, cool. I think uh, a, fr- a high school friend of mine's dad lives in Park City, Utah. So first trip, you know, 10 hours today, place to stay, don't have to pay for a hotel. I have family in Omaha, Nebraska, like another place to stay. Good to see the family. Uh, other than that, you know, just find stuff to do. Stay, stop in Colorado, Fort Worth, Colorado. Uh, no, excuse me, Fort Collins, Colorado, and then we stopped again. I remember in Indiana, spent a night there, and just went back to New York after that. And we broke it up in like seven days. If yeah, I, I could, if I you know brought up like pictures or when I could break it down pretty, more so, but I would even do it again. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's fun if you're not in a rush and you're like you know whatever yeah. slamming coffee trying to get there as soon as possible. Yeah. That's brutal, but if you take your time, make a little bit of a road trip vacation out of it, which is what I've done twice now. Yeah, because that, that's how it was with me coming home from Bakersfield. My first year was we started in Bakersfield with the playoffs, and luckily it got broken up. And when you went to Alpine, well, yeah, because we start we went to Tucson for the next round, and that was like two three days, and then we went to Alpine. But then coming home from Alpine, I drove from there to uh, Joplin, Missouri. I had to drop the umpire off. <laughs> <laughs> Independent baseball. Independent baseball. Yes. I had to drop the umpire off and then uh, uh, drove the rest of the way home. So that was, yeah, for two days, I, that was pretty rough, to be honest with you. So after your uh, first year in, in pro ball, what's been the biggest difference from pro ball to college, but also wow. like the biggest eye-opening thing that like, wow, I didn't realize this is like part of Wow. Wow. Uh, the biggest thing that is eye-opening is the quote-unquote pro ball isn't as glamorous as mm-hmm. you think it is. Yep. That is the number one it's, it's thing. It's glamorous from 7 from. to 9, yep. 7 to 10 when right. you're playing. It's a yep. glamorous title. Pro, oh, I'm a pro baseball player. Wow, yep. that's awesome. Well, and people's assumption of it that don't know what yep. it's like are like, Wow, you get paid to you know do. You're making sports, a lot of money. Making a lot of money. You're yeah. traveling. You know, you got you know good teammates yep. and friends. Like this is your job and. It's yeah. not entirely true. Like we're doing what we love. <laughs> yeah. So I we're love do- it. yeah, we love it. That's why we're here. Like, but honestly, I think probably for me, like the best part, like because I was, I was always like chasing that title. Like absolutely, I want to play pro. Absolutely, I, play pro. I didn't. Yeah. Money doesn't bother me because I know that like the money doesn't really come to you make it to the major league. Right. So yeah. like I know like when I went home and it was like yo like I'm playing professional baseball. Like, oh, you must be making a lot. Right. No, I that's everybody. Shit. Yeah, that's what every, the people are just don't know. That's yeah. their assumption. But when my, you get that title. The best part for me has been the people I've met. Like these oh, two yeah. guys. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Two of my best friends I've met uh, two years ago down in Houston. You know, and I had another guy I met in Monterey. Mm-hmm. That's one of my really good friends. Another guy I met this year in. Uh, in Garden City, that's like one of my yeah. best friends. Yeah, and it's like you, you meet know, people from all over meeting, the country. Yeah, meeting these yeah. guys from all over the country, it, like it's just that's probably like the best part, mm-hmm. the networking aspect of it. Exactly, and now and that's what I was about to say is the one thing that I was I forget who I was talking with today at the field about it was you don't realize like how small this world is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. once you get in the pro ball, it's like you meet somebody and it's like oh well they know so and so who I played you know. In high like, school or college, yeah, with, like years know. ago, somewhere, yeah, yeah, because like in Houston, it's all a network. When we were in the spring league, I met a kid that was from Vegas, and he was actually cousins with a kid that I ended up grow, like growing up going to middle school with. Yeah, and I was just like, what are the odds of this? Right yeah, now? you know, you'll find him in a gas station in the middle of like Wyoming, and you're like, what? <laughs> 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 so in saying that, that pro ball is not as glamorous as, as what it seems. Yeah. 
how was the adjustment for you getting into the grind, the daily grind of all the stuff that we had? It took a lot of mental toughness <laughs> because in college, like everything's pretty much done for you. Yeah. Like you, and you, it's laid out you, by your stuff is washed. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being serious, your stuff's washed. You get travel on buses. Uh, it's just two things that you usually just don't have in independent yeah. baseball, which was. I guess tough to get accustomed to you. I eventually did because I accepted the place that I was in. I'm in a small town playing, you know, low end pro baseball, just trying to make it and grind my way up. But adjusting was tough, but it took me a couple weeks before accepting the fact like, wow, I'm doing what I love, but it definitely does push you. Like, do you really want to do this? Mm -hmm. Can you, you know, sacrifice, you know, good living, maybe, you know, decent meals Good pay yeah. to pursue what yeah. you love. Comfortability, yeah. absolutely. In comfortable situations. Do you yeah. sacrifice that to achieve yeah. something that you really want to have. And I think that's a one thing that a lot of people don't understand about getting into this is it's not really about the physicality part of it. Like men- the mental part about mm-hmm. it is so much. Baseball, baseball's all mental. It's all mental. But and once you get on that, it once you get on that grind of like you know playing every single day, like and. Going through momentum. struggles. I think the biggest thing like is just developing that routine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, momentum into what routine. daily life is like, you know, getting <clears throat> in the field, get your work in. What's accepted out of you mm-hmm. day in and day out, right. you know, your mm-hmm. road trips and whatnot. It's a grind. It is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, going from college to pro ball, like, you know, you, ha- you had your stuff that you had to do, like college, you know, you're, op- you're on a bus going to away trips and you had your stuff laid out for you. Whereas, you know, in pro ball, you don't really have anybody there to hold your hand. You know, mm-hmm. and tell you what to do. It's it's all on your own. Like if you need to do that, go do it yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. A lot more instruction in college mm-hmm. in terms of like you know mechanical tweaking. Yeah. You know, getting work in specific stuff that a coach wants you to work yeah. on. And then pro ball, it's more like tips and whatnot, making sure you're healthy. Exactly. He won't tweak your mechanics entirely. Yeah. It's almost like checking up to make sure you're okay right. to go. And you start going more towards your teammates to see. You know, yeah, if they if they you, have any input yeah. on what they see Bouncing or ideas off and mm-hmm. trying to learn from them, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because that was one thing I I was talking with Sip the other day. Because when I went up to the USPBL, you know, I in the two weeks I was there, I was like, this is the most development that I've had in my two years of pro, of pro ball. You know, even from the Pecos League, because uh, <clears throat> when you're in the Pecos League, it's basically like you need to show up and you need to perform every single day. Because you're trying to get out. Yeah, it's yeah. like your development is the game reps, basically. You need to try and do as much as you can in that game, otherwise you're not going to go anywhere. Right. But, you know, and that, and that, I think that's what the struggle was that we were talking about was like, you know, you don't really have time. You, the manager doesn't have time to sit down with you and go, hey, we need to work on this, we need to do this, we need to do that. It's, okay, I hope you did it on your own before, you know, BP or – before the game, because now I'm making the lineup card, and you need to be able to perform this way. Yeah, you know? we got to be ready to go at seven o'clock. In <coughs> <coughs> <And> saying that, in <coughs> <and> saying that, <coughs> being a pitcher, what's a normal day look like for you? Like on a day that you're pitching, what's kind day of day that I'm routine? starting? Yeah, day that you're starting. What's okay, kind of routine? my routine's been the same. I developed it in college. Uh, I usually would hang. I mean, hang out and do whatnot. My routine usually takes about thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes before game time. Uh, go out down the line, whatever. Let's say game starts at 7. You, know, yeah. you said 7 a lot because of Pegos League games. So get out there, start walking to the foul pole, whatever side I'm on, around 625, 630, between there. Uh, take a gi- It's funny. Take a giant leap. Jump as high as I can, kind of get loose. <laughs> punch it's my all, hand. That's all it takes, one big leap. Big leap, punch my hand, jog halfway to the uh, – 
as you, you'll you'll know right now that us starting pitchers, a little bit psycho, but very superstitious. <laughs> very, 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 very superstitious. You, like you, you're gonna find out here. So jog one pole down and back. Do uh the same calisthenic routine. I mean, you know, I don't really need to go into that, but the routine's the same. Where <laughs> lunges, you know, high knees, butt kicks, whatnot. After that, uh, a stretching routine for the lower half. Uh, then I have. Uh, describe it i guess like an arm circuit that you would i mean because it's it's a lot of interesting movements to warm up the shoulders specifically because that's very important obviously rotator cuff stuff for pitchers you know elbow flexibility and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) sorry he He doesn't need an arm sleeve he needs a shoulder sleeve at this point after the stretch of the legs work, (laughs) work out the shoulders uh Get my catcher, and then uh, some arm circle, like, light work throws. Uh, <laughs> yeah, screw the catcher. You know, doesn't care if he needs one. <laughs> hey, I'm ready. Yeah, where you at, me? <laughs> Get over here. I'm show. ready. Uh, you know, start light, uh, work your way back. And one thing that most starters like to do is long toss. I'm kind of one of the few that I think don't. Kind of keep it short. Yeah, keep it short. 120 max. There's honestly. a lot of people that are like that, though, yeah. too. Yeah. Some yeah. people need to air it out. Some I people just, do. hey. Yeah. Well, you probably won't be doing it anytime soon, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in, I need to in, get rid of that cricket. And talking about your routine, what's, what do you think is like your biggest key to staying healthy during season? Or that you maybe realize? Post- recovery, post work. It is a long season, and I've been mm-hmm. a starter for now four years consistently. I wasn't my freshman year. Once I got to Ithaca, I was. Recovery is the number one thing. So what do you absolutely? What, what's your recovery thing. look like for you? Routine uh, the day after I throw. Let's say let, you can assume a lot of pitches yeah, because I'm a starting go, pitcher, you know, like six, a seven six seven innings. You know, maybe eighty to hundred pitches, seventy pitches, whatever it may be. Uh, usually distance running, I'll run eight poles. Down and back would be one. I don't know how you mark poles. Some say six, like one, two, three, but down and back's one. I do eight of those, eight <laughs> sprints, and then a band circuit. And then later later that day, go to the weight room and get a full body workout in. I was just about and to ask. And the one thing is the day after I pitch, I don't touch a baseball. Yep. I was just about to ask, so what's the rest of the week look like after your recovery day yeah. leading up to your start? Leading up, so what, give it four days mm-hmm. maybe. So have a start, recovery like I just told you, which is pretty much you're crushing yourself physically, you know, to be in better shape for your next start. Uh, the third, so But no, no throwing for yep. me. The following day, long toss. Stretch it out, build up arm strength. Uh, the following day would be uh, a light bullpen, and then either that fifth day or that sixth day. If I have an extra day, it'd probably be you know light 120 and then flat ground work. Yeah. You know, get confidence about hitting your spots, get everything over the plate, right. and then have a start. Or if it's a five day, if it's on five days, have a bullpen that fourth day, and then fifth day you're back on the yeah. mound. Now on your long toss day. Now, are you trying to air it out as far as possible, or are you basically just trying to like feel your legs underneath yourself and get your body air it out pretty far? Okay. Yeah, you you I I tend to cut it loose. Yeah. Without compromising your mechanics by like just right. sitting on your back leg and snapping your head. And that's, and and that's why I was asking. Let's fly. Because some yeah. some of the younger kids they think okay I need the long toss you know to I build need, arm strength. Yeah. Meanwhile they're. You know, their you know mechanics go out the door. They're exactly. they're all arm, and now they're really putting more stress on their shoulder than they mm-hmm. need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try to put it put it a lot of pressure into your back leg, fire the hips, and then use your arm, not all your arm, and 
you know, right. fly the front yeah. side. A lot of stuff. If you wouldn't, Chad Rose addressed this the other day to us pitchers. Which, we've, we've, read, we've referenced Chad Rose here last few episodes. For those that don't know, he is the is he the pitching coordinator? Or that's probably an appropriate yeah, title. So he's the way. pitching coordinator for the Miami Marlins, and he's down here with us. He's also with uh, the Chinese team, isn't he? So he's going there next year. Yeah, that's why, that's why he left recently to like get a visa or something, because he's going there for a full year, a full season tour. Oh, Chad, yeah, anyway. Chad Rhodes would say that whether you're throwing 90 feet, 120, or even long tossing, don't compromise how you would throw on the mound. Yeah, he's just saying that you know? the other day. Like, keep your you know, shoulders square, do your <coughs> mechanics, stay smooth in yourself. If you throw it farther, use your back leg. Don't snap your front shoulder right. you know, to get your arm through because that puts a lot of emphasis on your arm, and you're not going to throw that way on the mound anyways. Mm-hmm. So keep your mechanics the same. Just put your arm and mostly your back leg. You want to use your legs more. Yeah. Like I said, you fly the front shoulder, that's when you run into problems. Compromise your mechanics, to put it, you know, to say the least. So what, what's been your biggest development now as a pitcher over this last year? Like, once you've gotten into pro ball mm-hmm. and now you've learned, you know, you're pitching every fifth day, like, and now mm-hmm. coming down here with Joe, what do you think's been your biggest development you've made over the course of this last year? Because for me, like, and I'm going to touch on this here in a sec, as a hitter, like, you're kind of a, a – I don't know how to say it, but like an upper echelon pitcher for what for in the Pecos League. Like you're American Association Atlantic League caliber versus for how you pitch. Because like I was telling you, like I drafted you down here with Joe, <laughs> so I didn't have to face you yeah. because you caught me up. That. You caught me up over the season, which it wasn't even that like, you, sh- me up. you were striking. It wasn't, yeah, I probably had, I faced like, you one time. I, 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 I was That was the only loss I had was actually against Roswell. But it wasn't that. You were striking me out every time. It's just that you mix it up well that yeah. you can't make solid contact because you're nothing straight. So you're either going, Mm-mm. you know, cutter away, two seam in, yeah. slider, you know, off, whatever your yeah. off speed is. That's, you're always throwing yeah. different pitches. That's, and it's a lot of the young guys in the Pecos don't do that. They're no, just uh-huh. freaking airing it out. Oh, right. And yeah. I've said that before that I thought the biggest difference in the pitching from when I went up to the Can Am and even in the Frontier versus the Pecos was just. Guys up there were more polished. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily throw hard. They could just throw three pitches for strikes, yes, and they're all in the zone. Mm-hmm. And that was right. what you were able to do. Right. And I also tend to believe that a lot of that also has to do with the catcher, though, too, not yeah. knowing how to call a game. Yeah. Because that's how it was last or this past year. Like from a hitter's standpoint, like men- mentality-wise, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm in this count. I should expect you know an off-speed pitch. Nope. Fastball right down the middle, and there I go, you know, heading back to the dugout because I got my own head and was like, oh, well, I wasn't, you know. <laughs> I'd say the be- the greatest development for me was, I want to say in college, because, like, I'll bring his name up again. George Valisene coached Ithaca College for 41 seasons, won two national championships. He polished me. Without him, I'm not playing pro ball. He, I came from Fairfield where the pitching instruction wasn't so great. I was, if you like slow it down, I'd tilt, throw more of an over-the-top arm slot. I had a four-seam fastball that was straight, an oak, and I couldn't really get off-speed over for strikes. But once I saw him, change my mechanics a bit and developed a sinker. And that is what made me. I mean, without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. So then it got to the point where I don't throw mid-90s. I can't just grip it and rip it. And, you know, I'm not a power pitcher. It's important to know who you are. Exactly. And who I am exactly. is split the plate, sinker, slider, 12-6 curveball, change up to pull you know, pull it back velocity. And that's who I am. That's where if I keep keep the ball on the ground, the worst thing that's, that's going to happen, that's what, you that's what I've done. That's what you do. That's what I've done ever since. I, I, the, the turning point was when I got to Ithaca and started working with uh, Coach Val. 
was the best thing for my career. I would absolutely say. 100%. And I, I completely agree with everything you just said because I think that's one of the biggest things that drives me nuts about where baseball is going, where everything's just velocity. Drive line, top line. Which are great programs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you can't you, not have velocity, yeah. but if that's your number one focus. Greg Maddox threw 86. Yeah, and but he's throwing a favorite. wiffle ball out there. Yeah, yeah. but like, because he yeah. could hit the spot, mm-hmm. the catcher would not have to move his glove. And it's if you can do that, you can be effective. That's that is mm-hmm. pitching. Yeah, pitching, pitching is not just up there. You made reference balls. to Greg Maddox all the time, man. Like, He's throwing a wiffle ball out there. And that is that's you know like for us, we had a Rich Edwards on our team, who mm-hmm. he probably wasn't breaking eighty, mm-hmm. but threw a cutter, changeup, uh, curveball, and then sometimes he'd sneak a fastball in there, but he did not mm-hmm. miss spots, mm-hmm. and that's why he was and everything was down, mm-hmm. and that's why he was effective. Yeah. And he got a ton yeah. of ground balls. Probably didn't have very high strikeout numbers, but his ERA was low. Mm-hmm. Like he had big, yeah. a handful of games where he really got hit. You keep mm-hmm. the ball on the ground. The yep. worst thing that happens is it's a single. Yeah, it yeah, finds a hole. Is. Even yeah. if it like you know hit weak, it's probably going to be an out. If it's hit hard, it's a single. You yeah. can barrel a ground ball. Yeah. It's a single unless you're lucky enough to find the line. So keep the ball on the ground. That's is why playing. you have defensive guys. Out yeah, there to exactly. Make, the plays. make a defense yeah. work. Yep. Exactly. And I got. I'm gonna feed off of Go for the it, Greg man. Maddox was uh, Sandy Koufax. I just had to look up the quote to make sure that it was the right quote. But, you know, from a pitching standpoint, like you're saying, you know, everyone's all about velocity anymore. What he thought was, uh, well, I'll say his quote, end quote, I became a good pitcher when I stopped trying to make them miss the ball and started trying to make them hit it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's literally one of the best pitchers of all time in the game. You know, he, you know, had velocity, but he realized, you know, I'm only going to be a better pitcher if I – you know, know how to control the ball more than just trying to grip and rip it down. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't need to throw it by everybody. Mm-hmm. It's way more to pitching. Pitching's an art. You're not throwing. You're pitching. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Yeah, and I mean, there's certain situations where you can chase strikeouts, but when you're chasing strikeouts on every batter, that's mm-hmm. when your pitch count gets high. Yeah, because you have to throw being too fine. Pitches. You're yeah. being too fine. Too fine. Yeah. So now yeah. you start throwing balls. Yeah. Versus exactly. you, you're just trying to hit a spot. Yeah. If you put it in play, great. My eight can, guys, yeah. seven guys behind me are going to make trust the movement of your pitch. So, you know, just be in the zone, get your sink, and then have them swing over the top. And I, and like I said, I think that's one of the things you did so well, which I don't. You know, that may be you, your preference, or maybe the catcher, but just the way you manage the game as far as, you know, you're not getting the same pitch twice. Mm. And, and I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go in, out, uh, you know, maybe up, down. I, mean, I know you went up, down on me one time. Cause I remember you threw fastball high and change up, down. Mm. And change up, down for me is <laughs> I'm done. So, uh, Strikeouts are fascist anyway. <laughs> right. What's your mentality on the mound as a pitcher? I, I like I kind of like exposing the mental aspect of the game. Uh, I, the mental oh, the aspect mental aspect. Yeah, is, if you're not mentally tough, I mean, exactly. in baseball, the mental aspect is the game. Absolutely, but as a starting pitcher, you're defeated already. Like mentally on the mound, you got to be aggressive. You need to be, but also at the same time, aggressive but composed is probably yeah. the best word I would put to it. Like execute what you want to, you know, execute, but at the same time, don't get overwhelmed with emotion once, you know, shit hits the fan. Because you're going to give up hits. You're going to give up nukes. You're going to give up 450-foot home run. But you see guys that are like that. They'll be dominating, and then they give up one hit. Yeah, exactly. They fall apart. It's like, dude, like, what do you – like, that's part of the game. Exactly. Yeah, they get defeated mentally after one thing falls their way, and then they get uncomfortable. When you get – when you can start becoming comfortable in uncomfortable situations, high-pressure situations – 
then you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Trust your because then you're mentally better. Exactly. And then you can execute what you want physically yep. and perform at your best. Exactly. And then if you get beat there, there's you know you can't really blame yourself too much because mentally you're sound enough mm-hmm. to execute what you want. You might just got beat a pitch or two. And guys get hit all the time. Yeah. You know it's how you come back from that. You know because anybody can pitch when things are going smoothly, mm-hmm. but when stuff you know starts rolling downhill, how do you come back from that and still stay composed and compete? Right. And that's what a lot of guys don't understand is you know they get into the game situation, they want to get this strikeout and all that. And then they get too hard on themselves when they give up a hit. And it's like, you, some guys don't realize, like, you just threw a pitcher's pitch, you know, and that guy just got lucky to get a piece on it, right. you know, and it just happened to, you know, fall into a that's hole. That's what there. I've always said. There's two things you can control in baseball. You can control the way you throw the ball, and you can control the swing you put on the ball. Mm-hmm. After that, you can't control what happens. So if you throw a pitcher's pitch, and I stick my butt out, yeah. swing one hand, and I bloop it into right field and get a double – where, like you can't control that. You threw a pitch on the out, outside edge, and I just happened to get lucky. I went gambling, yeah, and you know what? I hit the jackpot. You know, I haven't done it yet in Florida, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I did it. You know, in that situation, it's like I see so many young kids, but also guys we play with. It's like they lose their mind over mm-hmm. that, and then that's when mm-hmm. then they revert back to now. I'm trying to be too fine because I don't want to yeah. get hit. Yeah. And then it all just... You're like, oh, well, that's a hit. Well, I need to be even more fine now. And then yeah. you start getting yeah. off the plate more, or you want to go inside a little bit more, and then, and then you start walking apart. small village. Yeah, fall apart. And, you know, the best pitch in baseball is a first-pitch strike. First pitch so strike. if you're Always. being too fine, you Always. can't get that first-pitch strike. If you're, your pitch count's going to be high one, but... You're just not going to see mm-hmm. very much success because you're always behind in the count. You're always throwing fastballs. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get that first pitch strike, now you have the they cards can, in your hand. Yeah, the cards you can, go, you can, can do go, you can go speed, you can go fastball. Because I know me as mm-hmm. a hitter, when I when I get down, like I'll look for that off speed pitch, 0-1. And if I'm up like 1-0, I don't like swinging at that pitch because then sometimes a guy may try to come back mm-hmm. with the with the off speed pitch, you know, try to get me over. And it's I don't want that. I want fastball early in the count. So, I kind of like those mental things because a lot of guys, yeah. that, that's the biggest development I think as a baseball player that you need. I know for me, like that's been my biggest development that's mm-hmm. helped me is that mental, mental aspect of it. Um, but we're down here now in Florida with Joe Torrey, mm-hmm. obviously. What's your experience like been so far with Joe? Um, I just want to add one more thing to the mental, it, mental part of it. Uh, you drop any f bombs on this podcast or no? No, but go for it. No, okay. <laughs> we, we have we have the because the there's a point thing. to it. There's a point go, to go it. Go for it. I okay, he talked it. about there's the three f's. Yes, I love this. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. I love it too. Uh, the first one is fuck it, yeah. right? Like just just really not caring about what the result is. You just want to execute what you want to do. You know, just screw it. I'm gonna do this because I want to. I want to make this happen. Uh, fuck me is. More so when you make a mistake and then you get down on yourself immediately and it crushes you mentally. And then fuck you is the competitive edge that you need to compete to play this game like mm-hmm. in the long run. Yeah. You know, without that, I think to me that's my favorite is yeah. the fuck you. I put, I've been told that since my pitching coach like back in high school would teach me that. You got to you got to have that competitive you gotta, like you got to have that on the mound. You got to have those cojones yes, to hang. Yes. You do. Absolutely, you the do. Bobbles. <laughs> the bobbles, the bobbles. You do. All, all I'm picturing right now is Pedro Serrano <laughs> running down the line and doing the. <laughs> you have no bobbles. You have no, you have no bobbles. Bobbles, bobbles. No, I agree. You're that's, right. That's a very yeah. good point. Uh, 
But like I said, what's, what's your experience been like with Joe Torre so far being down here in Florida? Um, it's my first time is, down here. Yeah, this is yeah. my second time. This is all of our second, second time. time. Second, so you guys have done this before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here before. But, you know, this is one of those things that you talked about at the very beginning of the show. This is part of the grind. It is, is yeah. Just uh, trying to get your name out there in as many places as possible. Joe's been a good asset, uh, I mean, to me personally, you know. Give you an opportunity to showcase your stuff into certain scouts mm-hmm. that he knows, and he'll talk on your behalf if you perform, you know, correctly or up to par with what he thinks, and he'll, you know, stick his neck out for you accordingly. But you and have I think to he's act right, though. Correct, yeah. so correct. And he has to have you. He has to see you in the setting to know if you're going to be if yeah. you're a pro or not. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where that helps with. I got nothing bad to say about him. He's. I mean, I've, I haven't known him for so too long, but <laughs> I have. Uh, Really nothing negative to say about him. He's been pretty positive. Uh, he reached out to me after because he was in he was in the Pacific uh, Association, right? He was out there while you were there, or no? I didn't see him out there okay. personally. No, he he came in contact with me after Salina. We were deep into the off season, and he didn't want to know what my plans are for next year. And I didn't really have one. I got invited back to Alpine, but after playing a full season there, I wanted to play higher. I was told by Sean Persky, our head coach. He doesn't want me in the league again, which is a great compliment. He wants me to play higher. So I took that into consideration. I was like, all right, but I really don't have a direction. I don't have a contract. I don't really know where I'm going. So how can I get exposure? And once Joe called me, it was an opportunity to go to these showcases. You know, back earlier we were talking about going to the college level and, you know, putting as many eyes on it as you can. That's kind of what we're doing now. Yeah. So I went to one, one showcase in October, one in December, one in January. It was Boston, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and it was similar to run like college showcases where a day of bullpens, a day alive, and now pro scouts, both affiliate and independent, are looking at you, and it puts your name on the map. Mm-hmm. It gives you a chance, you know, to potentially get a contract and get signed and to the league and where and you want to go. That's the biggest thing that, like, as long as you're playing, you have a chance to move up because if you're in the Pecos League but you see something that one guy likes. He'll snag you, and that's that's literally like you're looking for basically two good months: a good month of performance at whatever level, get into affiliated ball, have a good month of performance, and you yep. can find yourself in the big leagues. Exactly. And it's like as far away as we are, we are so close at the same time because it's that's like I said, all it takes is just that one person to see you and good performance. It's cliche: you never know who's watching. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. You really yep. don't. That's true, though. I can't like I can't say that enough for even the young kids out there. You seriously never know who's watching. Yeah. Especially now, with, yeah. with the way everything is filmed and like uh-huh. social media, you don't know who's checking your exactly. social media. More important now than even when we be, were at that level. And you got to be, I would say, be respectful, even to coaches on other teams you play, because yeah. you never know somewhere down. Yeah, those contacts somewhere down the line. You know, you might not think about it, but one of those coaches that you played against might throw your name out there to some coach one day that, you know, hey, I do know a kid that uh, played against my team. Maybe you should give him a look. And next thing you know, you're getting contacted by a college. Yep. You don't want any coach or, you know, connection that you have to go out of their way to when somebody asks about you yeah. to say something bad about exactly. you. Exactly. Right. So don't even put yourself in that situation. Right. Exactly. Because that will kill your career right, right. away. Mm-hmm. Right. right away. Mm-hmm. It'll close so many doors. Um, before we get into the quick fire questions in the show, we touched on it last episode. We're going to touch on it again today. What do you think? Oh, 27 rings, baby. 
you yeah, you mentioned as a Yankees fan, you said 27, so I'm, I was waiting for this question. The, uh, what do you think about What's the up? Astros scandal? Let's hear it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you want to know my opinion? Yeah, throw it out there. Give your spiel. I want to hear it. Okay, the Houston Astros, to me, should cease to exist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I wish kidding. I could take a picture of his face right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Putting that to the show uh, cover photo for this, for this episode. Oh, my gosh. He was 100% was, serious for that. <laughs> I remember, I think it was, you guys know who Pat McAfee is? Yeah. I think he was doing a... Uh, Barstool guy. Yeah. He was doing a comparison about what was worth the steroid era, or I can ask you, even ask you guys this question, the steroid era or this cheating scandal yeah, era? I don't you even think there's steroids. a comparison. You can take steroids, you still have to make contact. Exactly. It'll still give you the boost. opportunity yeah. to give you the physical boost to hit the ball farther, run faster. But Which, you, farther, the skill farther, of why... Wow, you're going to hit it, what, 15 feet farther? Right. Like, come on now. Like, the skill aspect, it, like you still have to, like you say, you still have to hit the ball. You still got to hit your spots as a pitcher. But the physical attributes of steroids gives you the opportunity to do that, but doesn't help you skill-wise. Right. This right. is... Blatant cheating, and guys are there's guys like Triple A guys who are in the big leagues just trying to stay there and you know make yes. it and stay yes. there. And you're yes. telling me you go on the road to Ash to you know Minute Maid Park, and based on a cheating scandal, it can diminish your career by yeah. keeping you in by keeping you in Triple A, not staying in the big leagues after having a poor let's say pitching performance mm-hmm. because they're cheating and stealing your signs. Which is the difference between league minimum at five hundred thousand exactly. dollars and eight thousand dollars? That's where the money is. Yeah. That's where the money is. Because all you're trying, you're trying to get there. How, the, the how can part is getting stay to the there? Leagues, and then, how can yeah. you get there? And then how can I stay then there? How can I stay there and secure a contract? Because once you get that contract security, that blanket, you're good. Exactly. But it's getting to that point where you can secure that. That's the two hardest parts of it. So getting there and then staying there. Yeah, I. That's my opinion on them. It's not none too great about the Astros. So, I mean, regardless, besides that, they got they're a talented team. Exactly. They still they be good. They, they still win. have a lot of success without this. But putting a camera and banging trash cans and yeah, <laughs> like, come on. Did you hear about the code breaker, the the Excel sheet? You didn't hear so, about see, that. So see, I haven't heard about this. So. Now. Here we go. Yeah, don't, don't quote me on this because I don't know the full story. I'm definitely quoting you. But they, <laughs> but quote they, Carson Lee. <laughs> they had an Excel spreadsheet where the guy, like the assistant GM to Luno or someone, Luno's right-hand man, was basically taking all the information they had, every sign, every tendency, and putting it into an Excel spreadsheet to be able to determine what pitching stuff was coming. And just a deeper dive of mm. the uh, – of all the cheating that went on. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it was blatant cheating. Like my thing is, I mean, you, is, yeah. is for me as a hitter, I don't even like knowing what pitch is coming. So it's it's just like I'd rather be up there and just react. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and everybody says you know some of these big league guys. I remember an interview with Correa. The guys are just saying you know a bunch of BS to cover their own ass. They know what they did. Exactly. They're not stupid. Exactly. I wish someone would just come out and say exactly this is what we did. You know, it just that, that would a five million was it five million dollar fine? To the organization is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you think what do you think about the punishment? Nothing. No, it's nothing. It's a slap on the wrist yeah. for uh, something that should have been, you know, punishment should have been way higher mm-hmm. or way more. So know. what? What do you think the punishment should have been in your opinion? Wow. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, I was not going to say. Yeah, that's just my harsh <laughs> opinion. Like I'm just very upset. It's <laughs> <laughs> personal, but could have been a 28th ring. <laughs> but in terms of what should have happened, I'm not too sure. Uh, probably some 
you know, permits inspections for some of the players. I would say I haven't put too much thought into that. All I'm I'm just you know just in awe yeah. as to it actually happening. Yeah, that's but, and that's we were talking about this. Uh, I think the episode that just dropped. Um, I'm, it's going to be interesting for me when when Astros start getting hit. Mm-hmm. How Manfred's going to police that because yeah. he's backed himself gotta, in a corner. By you got to protect your players. Yeah, and he's backed himself into a corner by not suspending the Astros. Yes, because now how can you suspend a, a opposing player that hits an Astro and take money out of his pocket for policing the game? Yeah. But you can't take you can't suspend Astros players for blatantly and cheating. cheating. Yeah. Like you can't justify that. But these guys aren't going to get hit every pitch. Have you, you know yeah. every game someone's coming out their head. Have you seen the – is a five-minute bit on YouTube about Trevor Bauer talking about Rob Manfred. Have you seen oh, that? I've seen that. <laughs> I've loved the stuff that, Trevor Bauer's been doing. He's my, he's my favorite pitcher in baseball. But one, he has no filter. But aside from the you know the baseball stuff, I love his mechanics, his delivery, and his work ethic. Just he has no filter off the field like either. And that's why oh, I just love the guy, man. But you you guys should check that out. Yeah, well, him and Clevenger did and Clevenger. Yeah. Clevenger's was good too. Yeah. It was a nice inside yeah. scoop into what you know the general population doesn't right. see. Because uh, you know, I was thinking about that myself. Like when he said that, it was like you know what though, that's so true because it's a ripple effect as far as affecting guys' careers, yeah. you know, and all the money and politics mm-hmm. that go into it. But it's a ripple effect all the way down to us, because believe it or not, if you have a guy that from AAA that goes up to the big leagues. Now they got to call someone up from AA to replace that guy, more than likely, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in a dream dream scenario. So now AA guy goes up, now there's a spot open in single A. So now you've got to have someone replace that guy. It's like a reverse well, domino effect. Yeah. yeah trending you, upward. Yeah. You, spots that, get open. That, that spot's open. They may revert to an independent guy where they take someone there, and now there's a spot open at a higher level that I may get called up to. And it's just – it's a domino effect exactly. all the way to us where – that opens up more spots for us to be able to move up or possibly get picked to be an affiliated ball. And when those doors start closing, like that just closes for us. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it affects those immediate guys, big league and, and triple A, double A, but it's all the way down to us too. Like mm-hmm. in a very slim margin, but it's still, it's still mm-hmm. there. And uh, but yeah, you know, I, that's just a quick uh, Astros take. I don't want to touch on it. Let's jump into these quick fire questions real quick. You want to do them? Huh? You going to do them? Yeah. Okay. Do you have any you want to add? No, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just saying. What, I'm pondering, what are they just? I'm pondering what are you expecting? Here. Like a one word answer? Is that what? Oh, uh, I mean, are? not necessarily one word. Just okay. Just, you know, just throw. Just have throw, at it. Yeah, just throw something out there. <laughs> um, favorite cleats. Favorite cleats. Uh, Adidas. Uh, favorite glove. Uh, Wilson. Always, always rock Wilson. Seeds or gum. This isn't That's like if you're tough. on the mound. This is right. Just, oh, you know, no, no, no. Just on the bullpen seeds. High, seeds high pants sure. or low pants? Low. I'm tall. I can't wear high <laughs> pants. You kidding me? Make you look taller. No. Your legs would look so not. long. I was going to say, I got thin legs. <laughs> yeah, that's just the point. <laughs> just I got thin <laughs> legs already, but oh. definitely long pants. Favorite uniform in the major leagues? It could be, you know, retro, Any t- home away, alternate. That's anything. a tough question. I haven't thought about this much. Yankees have a huge selection there, by the way. So if you want, to I know. It. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of like teams' colors. <laughs> uh, you know what? I like the Diamondbacks colorway. Which the one? Black and red. The black and red. Really? Black and red. Uh, there's like a lot that. of people. They're purple and the gold. Purple, gold, and purple green. Purple and gold. Yeah. Like the that's 2001. Yeah, that's a throwback. Especially with like 
on the new uniforms, like the new Nikes and Majestics, where yeah. like the color pops better, right? And it's tight fitting. Oh my god! I know it was a throwback. I also didn't mind when the uh, Nationals wore the Expos jerseys. Yes. Yeah, I will say uh, my favorite one now has to be the Marlins Miami Vice look that they have. Yeah, yeah, like the the teal. They yeah, the yeah, teal yeah. and the pink. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sick way. We're talking about, you know, color yeah. combos here. It just got so quiet. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just the first yeah, one that comes yeah. to mind. I can't think of any particular one that, like, I've thought of, actually. It's that's interesting, though, to hear yeah. that. I like the Diamondbacks uniforms. They've gone away from it now, but when they unveiled, like, the new, like, future style, and they had, like, the safe snake scale the snake the scale. top and the, yeah. and the pants, I thought that was pretty Those dope. are the ones that are cool. That was, yeah, that was that pretty was dope for me, because it was different. Like, no one's doing yeah, that. Yeah, nobody's doing that. Um... Pitching in long sleeves or short sleeves? Uh, I always wear a like long sleeve underarm. It's like skin tight, but I roll it up to quarter sleeve. Okay. So that's always the routine. Um, as a pitcher, pine tar or rosin for better better grip. Of better the ball. grip. I've never used pine tar ever. Uh, I've used I use dirt, honestly. <laughs> Dude, I never use it. That's well, dirt, old spit. It's dirt. That's, 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 down, spit. In dirt. that's nature. down in the dirt podcast. That's right. That's yeah. the old podcast. Down in the dirt. That's nature. That, that was the old right podcast there. thing. Yeah. Down in the dirt. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you I told re- me that. I rebranded it. Right. Uh, Probably rosin to answer the question. What's your go-to put-away pitch? Sanker. Really? Sanker, yeah. Really? Sinker outside. If uh, it's hard to throw, I've, I'm still working on it. Like you get a right righty o two one two. If you can get a comeback two seamer outside to start off the plate that tests the black, yeah. it, like I to me as a pitcher, no hit hitter can hit that. Can, yeah. If you can get it to run even like That's six the MLB inches, the show kind of right? If you can get it, I mean, I guess for me, I'd try to get it to run more laterally outside because mine try. It's a it's a true sinker. It sinks. But if I can get some more two seam run laterally on it outside, that's to get the it best. to come back over to the get plate. it to come back yeah, over the black. But like over on the yeah. back side of the plate, yeah, yeah that's I think that's impossible. I know what I can call tomorrow then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two girls out. So what? What pitch would you say is your weakness as far as changeup? Getting a changeup over for strike consistently. When it's good, it can it can have some good bite, but it's usually for a ball, almost like a swing and miss. Uh, my trouble is getting it over for a strike, I'd say. Let's change up. Uh, favorite pitching drill that you do or yeah, you've done? I have a weird one where this is like going through my starting routine. I'll start facing the catcher and kind of like do these like scap retraction throws to like he, Pete knows because I've <laughs> yeah, thrown to him. He did. He did. Yeah. I do, I do about five of those just to get this spin, and I always have the sink and grip bit to spin right and reach out front. And then after that, I do it. I call it a, uh, a figure eight throw, where mm-hmm. you, as a righty, you waffle left and right and come up. It's for sink. It's for guys who throw sinkers, and you bring the ball as you turn square towards your catcher and really emphasize getting on top of the ball and getting the rotation and throwing downhill. So it's awkward. You could look at me and like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> but it helps me just to th- get on top of your sinker and get that moment that I need. Favorite player. In the big leagues. Trevor Bauer. Just, we talked about that earlier. About Love that guy. Favorite big league stadium? I know we just talked about these guys, but it's probably Minute Maid. It's yeah. Really? Yeah, I think uh, it's really sick. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I haven't been there. I've been to a bunch. I've been to, uh, I can't name like uh, particular, but I've been to Philly Stadium. I've been to 
LA Dodgers. LA oh, Dodgers dude. was more classic. Dodger Stadium is It's old though. Wow, I, I mean the Doyers. Actually no. <laughs> Excuse me. My favorite that I've been, I should say this, the favorite because I've been to it is the Indians field, the progressive really? field. Really? Yeah, I do not think gorgeous. that very impressive at all. Really? I like it. Which ones have you, what's your favorite? What's, what's your Benji? Fenway. And not, Fenway. not only okay. because, not because I'm a Red Sox fan, right. but like you walk in right. and you can just feel the history. Like I love, Fenway. they don't have a concourse. The concourse is under the stands. It's not like, you know, on level with the stands. And I think that's so cool. You walk in and you're like below ground level and walk through the concourse and you come up. And you got the stands right here, and then you just see it open up. Yeah. Into the, like, that's so cool to me. Yeah. Like, they have all the pillars, you know, holding up the second deck. Like, just, there's so much history there. And, like, yeah. for me, when like, I went there, I felt like I could feel the history. Like, yeah. I felt like I was back in the 40s cool. watching Ted Williams or something like that. So, to answer your question, my favorite is Progressive Field, the Cleveland Indians Field. But I'd say the one I'd want to go to would be Minute Maid. Going, like... For a playoff game, Minute Maid's sick. Yeah. I went to the World Series this year. And wow. Like, when they close the roof, it gets so loud. It gets rowdy. That's it's, fun. It's an awesome atmosphere. It's incredible. Um, I'll bring my trash can. <laughs> no, there's going to be a lot of people bringing trash cans. There's going to be so many trash cans out front. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, if you could play for one team that wasn't your hometown team, who would you play for? Are they talking about uh, like, in the big leagues? Yeah, in the big leagues. Ooh, I don't know. I've always been a Yankees fan. I'd probably go to like, probably the Dodgers, a, a, a place where it's like, you know, a nice city off the field. Even New York, like New York. I'm not, I'm not a fan of New York City. I think it's too crowded and whatnot. <laughs> like talking about stuff off the field, but probably the Dodgers. Uh, I've spent two summers out in California playing baseball last year and the year previous. So I love California. Yeah, West Coast. It. Yeah. Um, that is a sick spot, though. Yeah, it's fun. It's Southern so, California. Yeah. Which is you know, nothing like where I'm from. <laughs> if you could sit down with one MLB player of all time, who would it be? Can't be Trevor Bauer because he was No, I can't player. do so that. Ask me okay. One player of all time. Greg Maddox. That's good one good to pick. choose. Absolutely. I know you mentioned that earlier, but even if we didn't talk about Max, it still would be him. Yeah, yeah. If you could go back to one moment in baseball history, witness it live, what do you choose it? I wanted to see Derek Jeter's catch when he smoked his face into the stands. Yeah. I want to be, like, on the right, side. Right there in the stands. Right <laughs> there. That is one of the most insane plays you I've ever seen. You don't want to be seen. in front of it. You just want to be, like, No, like, just to the side. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted – that was – that's just the one play that sticks out of my mind. That was sick. so sick. That would be pretty sick. All right, last question. When you make it to the big leagues, and I say win, not an if, win – which is going to be your first purchase with your contract? He's going to buy us all tickets to go watch him. I'd probably get a nice car. Honestly, like a Lamborghini. The ones with the door. Some with the doors go on. The I don't know why. Suicide doors. Suicide doors. I don't know why that just appeals to me, but definitely. Yeah, because they uh, rock. Yeah, they're of just, course yeah. they do. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just sticks out. Those things are sick, man. All right, before, we, before we end the show, uh, I just want you to give any advice you have for you know any young guys, whether it's youth, high school, college. Um, any advice you may have as far as to maximize their career and, and continue playing? Work you anything you want. Keep working hard. Don't slack. And time flies. Yes, yeah, so Time yeah. flies. Uh, I can't believe. I really. I mean, I can't believe I'm in the position I am now. I mean, it just seems like the other day I was playing, you know, little league. But you know, enjoy every moment you get. High school, college, however far you take this game, and you know, best of luck to you guys.
You want to uh, plug your social media accounts before we get off? Yeah, okay. sure. People want to follow you? Sure. Uh, one second. I believe my Instagram is J underscore Binder 22. My Twitter is Jake Binder JB. So Jake Binder, then my initials. And those are, that's pretty much it. I mean, I have a Facebook, but I'm never on it. <laughs> Instagram's the <laughs> big one. That's how we're all, we all are. Yeah. yeah. Instagram's the big one. My birthday one. calendar. That's <laughs> <laughs> all it is. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Mr. Jake Biner, thank you for coming on the One Percent Academy Appreciate podcast. But we are getting, well, we are getting one percent better every day. My co-host, Mr. Pete Jorgen, and Justin Cortesis, and even Justice Cortesis' girlfriend, uh, Mallory, for trooping in and sitting into this podcast. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Thanks for having sitting, me. Sitting in with me, Pete. You want to give one last uh, little uh, sponsorship and then outro to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, today's uh, broadcast of 1% Podcast brought to you by 300 Bats. That is 300 Bats. Uh, if you go on Instagram and follow 300 Bats, make sure to send me a direct message and we can set you up with a personalized bat.